Welcome to the Leadership in Yoga podcast hosted by me, Shauna Kruger. And on this podcast, I'll be bringing you interviews with exceptional leaders in the yoga world alongside trainings and tips so you can experience true breakthroughs and help others do the same. Leadership in Yoga, welcome back to another episode. And today I have an extra special interview. Every time that I ask who you want to see next on the podcast, the number one answer is actually Simone, and Simone is my husband, and so he is going to be with us today on the podcast, and I'm really, really excited to share everything that I've really learned from him, because as you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I talk quite a bit about self-leadership, and so many of the lessons that I have learned in that aspect of my life have actually come through seeing how he has his outlook on life, and the different things that he has learned along the way and taught me as well. And so I'm super excited to get into, of course, a little bit about how we met and how that situation was in Ecuador. And you'll learn a bit about Venezuela today. So make sure and stay tuned. If you have no idea about what's going on in Venezuela, you'll learn quite a bit about that as well. Uh, Something that's really near and dear to both of our hearts. And in addition to that, the main theme you'll hear about today is what it means to actually hit rock bottom and what is rock bottom? What can you learn from that? And what can you do when you reach that state? So without further ado, welcome Simone to the podcast and and thanks for agreeing to do this. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, no, thank you for having me. <laughs> Finally, I'm here. <laughs> it's quite funny because I think that Simone and I watch a lot of different podcasts and interviews together. We watch things like Jaime Bailey. And so it's very weird for me to be in this position of interviewing you today, but I'm excited to do so. So I wanted to start with what makes most sense to me, which is where our story started. So for those of you who don't know, we met when I was studying abroad in Ecuador and Simone was not studying abroad in Ecuador. It was a very different situation. So Simone, would you be willing to just kind of walk people through why were you in Ecuador? Like, why were you there for our chance encounter? And of course, we'll tell you about that encounter as well. Yeah, sure. So well, first of all, um, if you find, if you see any grammar mistakes in my, when I'm talking, just I'm apologizing right now because of course, English is not my first language. I'm gonna do my best, but yeah. Um, so, well, I was in Ecuador, definitely not studying abroad, or I guess actually you can say that I was studying abroad, but not financed by any school. I was actually studying by myself and just, you know, being a, a lifelong learner, which I consider myself to be one. But more than that, I was actually just pretty much running away from Venezuela. Um, I graduated college in 2017. Um, and I, in that, that moment, I left the country because, yeah, Venezuela is going through a very rough situation. Um, for those of you who are not aware, we are under a dictatorship. Um, there is a lot of abuse in the country, like towards citizens, pretty much no freedom of speech, no freedom of any kind pretty much you know you are you're just a a, yeah at the dictator's mercy um so yeah i left i left venezuela i moved to ecuador looking for a better future and and yeah and i found it so when we met um simone was actually working at a juice stand and so you may have heard this story before but it's a very very interesting story because 
Simone had graduated as an engineer, right, and was not able to find work as an engineer immediately within the country of Ecuador. And so we ended up working at a juice stand where I luckily had chosen to go and practice yoga and do some running every single morning. And um, I ended up meeting him there. But it was just so it was so different, the the situations that we were in that brought us together. And so I really had no clue and no no understanding of this perspective that Simone opened up to me in not only the language, which is funny now um, hearing us only speak in English because a lot of people ask what we speak and at home we'll speak a, a combination of Spanish and English, but um, it was beyond the language too. It was just a different perspective. I remember Simone, one of the first things that you asked me early on that sticks into my head is you walked up and you're like, how do you pronounce entrepreneurship? <laughs> like, am I saying entrepreneurship correctly? Mm-hmm. And I could see right away that you had this kind of this spark and this ambition in you. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about what drove that spark and basically what your focus was on at that point in terms of your future. And and again, like I said, coming back to this theme of self-leadership, I think that you exhibit that so well and especially in that moment of really high pressure so i was wondering if you could just tell a little bit of of that part of your story in terms of what you were thinking for your future and your success yeah yeah of course um well to start with this with that story i have to go a little bit back in time and i i think that everything started with a a a person that was very important in my life which is my uncle uh, his name is Wilfredo, and my uncle was a very, very influential person in my life, uh, very early on. So, uh, you know, when you when you grow up in Latin America, uh, if you want to make it, you know, like uh, however you want to define make it. In our case, make it is to have a a better life, like be doing well economically, and you know, pretty much have economical freedom and and enjoy life a little more. Um, it's it's really hard to do that with just a regular job. Like when you you can get a regular job, and some people get lucky, and you know you have to spend thirty years in the same company. And if the economy of the country goes well, then sure you can have you know you can have a good life. But uh, I think that the main thing that happened to me was that you know my dad was actually one of those guys. Like my dad was the person that he spent. 25 years or 27 years in the same company um it was a company that that it was a state company so he my dad was an electrician but like a high voltage or medium voltage electrician actually and and he you know he spent all his life and all his career working for this company saving all his money um uh, my parents didn't go to college so i was first or i am first generation and going so to college too. yeah, yeah. So, you know, my parents didn't really have that financial education and, you know, they unfortunately never saved money in dollars or never like did investments or never did any of that. So my dad, you know, to give a reference, like my dad was planning on 2010, he was planning on retiring and it was like the best year of his life in this company. And... He basically, what happened is in 2010, he decided to retire 
and then it took him like a couple of years more to like okay like i'm gonna do it and then when he finally decided to do it then the president and the or uh, i would call a dictator because to me he's also a dictator uh hugo chavez he died in the moment so the country pretty much stopped and at the same time the stop it, the inflation levels in the country just rise like just exponentially like just ridiculous amount of per like i i want to say thousands percent of inflation you know just something that you cannot even imagine like like to me like i will take the bus to go during that time i will take the bus to go to college and in the morning i will have one price and then in the way back the price was a different one you know wow. so so it was it was that extreme and and because of that you know like we i was lucky enough to grow up in a medium medium class family and you know uh we had everything but then because my parents were not uh, like didn't have that financial education uh, just from one day to another we lost everything and then you know that created in me like this necessity of okay i need to i cannot repeat this path you know i cannot do the same yeah can i ask a question there did you know it at the time i mean how old were you at the time that you really became aware of the fact that wow we lost everything almost because i know we've talked about this and your family probably was doing better or the same as mine and then overnight that reality changed for you so did you know it at the time yeah yeah well i mean you even if you don't know exactly like the theory of the of the economical words or, or you know like the economics definitions of what's happening you're living it so it's like I, I I didn't understand like the the reasons why no, but I I knew that things were going down because of course everything changed in my house, you know, and and then luckily yes, as you're saying, like because we were we were doing fine before that, yeah, my family did well for a while and and you know we had some savings and stuff, but like all those savings went towards my my college and and my education and you know my my sister too, so. So it was tough, but of course we, you know, my parents always found ways to keep making some money. But yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. What were those changes? And just to share with everyone and to hear a firsthand account of what that's like, because for me, I know I've heard this from you before, but I wanted to be shared to essentially raise awareness of what those changes were within your own household, but also in, in the city and in society in general. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I want to say that even though yeah my situation was difficult i mean i am one of the lucky ones you know i'm one of the like my situation there is people out there that have way worse than what i had it so i want to make that clear that i am very aware of that because at least i was lucky enough to get education and to go to college and you know parents that early on pay for me to learn english and etc so i i know how lucky i am because of that but but yeah, well, no, when I was, when like some of the changes, it was just immediately understanding that, you know, my dad was not gonna be, was not making any money. Just like from one day to another, like the income was zero because he retired. And since it was a government um, company, we were depending on them to pay us. And, you know, this is a dictatorship, like they do whatever they want. Like there's nobody to hold them accountable so they can just, give the money whenever they want literally so 
to to finish that story about my dad when he retired like he he retired and then he didn't like let's say that you know the things that you could do with the money that he was that he was going to receive the the year that he retired he was gonna you know he had all his retirement life plan like he was going to buy buy like two houses he was gonna buy like three trucks you know then those three trucks was gonna he was gonna do transportation and you know have them working on that and just create this passive income for his retirement life and then buy the car of his dreams and like he waited for so long to get it and and then he when he retired they didn't give him the money and then the day that they paid him the money was like three years later so three years later all what he could do with the money he had was just buy one house in a not very good zone like a very very cheap house because that was all what he could do with the money so pretty much all your retirement plans were gone so my uncle and taking back to the story and just to close that part my uncle of course always you know he was showing me all this that was happening and he always told me like you know like your dad is is doing well today like he should be doing this and this and this with the money but my dad never listened and and you know my uncle was that person that always told me like no would you have to have your business you have to be independent you have to always have this passive income and you know since that moment of course and then after seeing like everything that my parents went through i was like i cannot go in the same route so i need to find ways to make money you know i need to find ways to just not have one income which is one job and i have to find different ways to to just don't don't have just one source you know where everything's gonna come i have you have to have multiple all the time because you know people back then like even my parents they said you know people always compare like oh yeah venezuela is going the same way as cuba and my parents especially then they will be like oh there is no way you know this is not gonna happen to us this is venezuela like we have so much oil we have this we have that it's just never gonna happen and it did it happened so you know you always have to be you know you you have to have some measurements of like of i guess i don't know how to say like risk yeah risk so Mm -hmm. but yeah no i think that and so finishing that like the thing the things that changed was that you know my dad didn't have any more income so there was no any more like oh we're not gonna go out to eat we're not gonna you know we're not gonna go and do this like no more vacations no any of that like actually now it was like you could feel the stress in the house like all the energy switch uh, the country was in a total chaos because politics were fighting to see who was gonna keep in power who was gonna stay in power so you could not go out you could not do anything like there was food shortages like you could not find anything like every time that you wanted to buy food it was just massive lines of 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 people you know to go just get one product so all those things started to change and again my family were we were doing fine before so we basically went from medium class to 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 low class you know but there are people that were already in low class which were a lot of my neighbors that's when i saw the hit you know that's when it hit me really hard because you know imagine you from one day your everything is fine and then two years later in the road you see your neighbors literally eating from the trash you know wow. so that's not that's not cool <laughs> that's when you see that okay things are going down you know and that's that's it's sad it's just that's the proper word for it it's really sad and and the thing is that it's it's really totally out of your control because even if you try to help these people it's just it's impossible like you cannot help them all you know so 
Yeah. Did you think that it was temporary or did you understand that this was a change that was probably there at least to stay for the foreseeable future? No, I understood that it was going to stay. I honestly have hope had hopes for the opposition in the country that were fighting to, you know, take down the dictator, but I knew that as long as he will be in power, that was going to just stay because the thing is that you I you could see like you could see how the country was deteriorating through the years like you know like suddenly we have so many like power outages for example like we had i mean basically what happened just to, because now i can talk about it like you know in the position that i'm today like what happened is that the government since 2002 let's say or i, I want to say 2000 but let's be conservative a little and say 2002 2003 the government stopped putting money into all the so all the 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 oil companies and the electricity companies like all that was was uh, belonged to the state so the state just there was so much corruption that they stopped putting money into all those services and same with uh, public hospitals and uh, public universities so you know yes in venezuela you know and i always say this to people yeah in venezuela you don't pay for water, you don't pay for electricity, you don't pay for uh, health insurance, you don't pay for any of that. But there is no water, there is never power. <laughs> there is, if you go to a hospital, like it's, you can probably, it's gonna probably be worse for you because, you know, it's it's all contaminated and it, it's just it's just bad. So, uh, or at least I, I want, I'm gonna talk about when I was there because I left Venezuela in 2017, so I don't know today, but, I know that today things are, you know, there's still 94% of the population is still in their poverty level. So I don't think that things have changed that much. So, yeah, no, I knew that this was going to be for a while. And I want to ask you about, of course, what spark that this lit, this what fire and this lit under you, because I've, I've seen it play out in your life today. But first, walk us through you leaving the country because you said something earlier that really kind of gave me chills and you basically talked about when you got on the plane to leave the country and you had said goodbye to everyone, you know, mom, dad, family and all that. And the last thing that you did when you stepped onto the plane is you just thanked the country and you thanked it for everything that had given you your education and that you really were grateful despite everything that had happened. You felt you took a moment to actually feel gratitude for for your country so walk us through what it was like leaving well living is never easy um but honestly in that moment i thought that um you know that's that's what what you think when you actually don't know how life works (laughs) but when i left before i left the day before i you know again i talked to of course to my parents i saw some friends and you know i didn't say a goodbye i just said like i see you later you know to everybody uh, because to me, and I still believe it, it's not a goodbye, you know. Um, but, you know, one thing, I, the first thing is that I remember that, uh, again, like one conversation I had with my uncle, uh, we're sitting like right in front of my house and and we're just talking for hours there. And then, you know, he told me, because I was telling him like, no, you know, like I'm going to be back. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm going, you know, with my degree there to Ecuador and I'm going to find the job. I'm going to, I saw the salaries online and I'm going to make some good money. It's going to be great. Like, 
I promise that I'm gonna be here, you know, next year or maybe maximum two years, but I will be back. And and then one thing that he told me is like, you know, it's fine. Like I, I can tell you that, you know, life is like a life is like a train. You know, like each one of us is like we're going on a train, and each one of us have one, right? So the train is going, 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 and you have it's full of passengers. And in like in the stages of your life, it's pretty much all the stops that the train have to do to have to yeah have to make. So right now, the my the train is making the next stop, and in that stop, I need to get out. So right now, this is my stop, and it's cool, you know, because I really enjoyed the ride. It was a very long one, or or long for some people, short for other people, but it was it was good, you know. I enjoy it. I can tell you that I will, you know, I will stay. I had the best views. I had the best uh, scenery. I have so many laugh in this train and I have so many amazing moments. And but now my stop is here. So I have to get off, you know, and that's okay. But the thing that I can tell you is that I hope that I can get in this train again, you know, and I hope that I can catch the next stop, you know, and I get on it. So so yeah i cry in that moment a lot (laughs) but it was it was it's true you know and that's how and that's how i take things now like and because i'm gonna probably talk about this later but yeah living ecuador was you know once i understood that it was easier to leave but but no like yeah leaving you know of course goodbyes are, are not easy you know talk to my that was i think that that was the first time that i saw my mom crying that when i was in the airport because she my mom is a very tough woman and she will never show emotions that yeah she will never show emotions that easily and that was the first time i saw of course that you know that was also shocking to me when i saw her cry my dad my dad usually take things you know as a joke and he was just smiling as usual and just like just being funny and and that's his way of like that's how he deal with things even with the situation of his job and everything he was always just and I love that I learned that from him, you know, just take take things not too serious and know that everything's going to be fine because we always find a way. And and when I, of course, he cried a little, but he always was so positive of the fact that, oh, no, like, I'm not even concerned. I know that we're going to see each other again. You know, this is it's going to be fine and, you know, joking and stuff. But but of course, my mom was it's a mom, you know, so she was she was crying a lot. And but yeah, the day that I left, um, I remember like like one thing that I don't even want to talk about this, but yeah. <laughs> one one thing is that my dad actually before I left, my dad gave me a fourteen dollars cash that he had, and that was all the money I took with me to go to Ecuador. So I only had fourteen dollars, and I remember that I went to the the airport, and you know I didn't have like a good uh, how can I say like a reference of money you know and i went to the airport and i was like well you know i got 14 dollars. i can just go and like get something and get some food and and you know for the flight because it's gonna be a long wait and and then i get to the airport and yeah i saw that i couldn't buy anything you know i mean the only i i, I think that not even mcdonald's mcdonald's was like six or seven dollars you know and mcdonald's if you want to sponsor (laughs) we're open but no like you know i couldn't even get mcdonald's because it was like eight dollars and i said well that's like half of the money i have so cannot get that but 
uh, I think that that was the first moment when I realized that how poor I was, you know, because I saw everybody in this airport just getting things and just buying everything and getting food, getting drinks. And I was like, and I mean, I didn't take this in a sad way. I actually took this as a motivation, like, man, like next time I go to an airport, like it's not going to be the same. You know, I, I promised myself the day that next time I, I, I go to an airport, I was going to have money to buy whatever I wanted, you know? So, and that was like a, like a, like a goal for me. I was, I promised I was zero sad that day in the airport, but I was definitely shocked. And before I got to the airplane, yes, as you said, like I, uh, my, um, a friend of mine told me, you know, that you should, you should thank the, the, you know, remember to, to thank the country because you had, you live all your life there, you know, all what you know, it's there. And that was true, you know, that was true. And I, I, I actually applied that. And the day that I left, I remember I gave my passport and that was the first time that I was taking an international flight and my second time in an airplane at all. Uh, it was to leave the country. And I went to the air, I, I was walking to get into the airplane. And I remember that I was looking around, you know, just looking around, I was in silence and and I purposely boarded the airplane, even though this sounds like a movie, but I'm not kidding. I purposely uh, boarded the airplane at the, at the last person. So I could like take a moment, you know, and just look back and, and then I, you know, just say, thank you so much, Venezuela, for all what you gave me, for so many amazing memories, for all the people that I, you know, all what I know is here, all my life is here. And, and, and it was amazing, you know, all the time that I spent there, even, with the bad moments, the, some bad experiences, but I, of course, I don't take that, you know, I just take the the family, the people that I met, my friends, like all the, 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 um, the great times that I, you know, that I had there. So it was, I, I did that and it felt really good. It felt really great to be, you know, grateful about that, that moment. How, in, it's it's amazing. I I can hear the story many times, and it still is so moving emotionally. Cause I just remember my first time leaving the country. I was also really scared. I actually wrote a letter in case I died. I mean, I was so afraid, and I was just going to visit uh, a friend in Spain. And so I just I reflect on that, and I think about you heading out on your own, essentially one way right like you're you don't know exactly what you're going to find but you're going and you're going for good at least for the foreseeable future and so that that never stops hitting me but i wanted to ask you how do you have the mindset of motivated instead of sad you know in that moment and i don't know if you would consider that moment rock bottom that's probably another question. No, no, it was not rock bottom, and 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 I don't know. I feel like the the motivation part is it's. I don't even know. I don't know if I have that answer. You know, that's just, and this is not gonna sound humble, but that's just how I am. You know, it's. I just growing up, I I. I just could never. I just never thought about the negative things. You know, like since like very early on, like situations that happened in my life, I just. If, if it was a bad thing, I just let them go, you know, like I, I, I know it sounds easy, but I promise that I, it, it's just like that to me, you know, I, and, and I don't focus, I, I consider myself a very happy person, you know, like I'm always, 
like for me to get angry for something it it takes a lot of effort <laughs> like and i i don't like to be angry i i don't think i've been i think i've been angry in my life like twice you know or three times i don't know i and it's because something really really bad is bothering me or i don't know but i i just don't like it you know like i like i don't know like i can promise I, i'm not even getting in like road rage or anything like that you know like i don't care like it's i true. <laughs> it's just like i i i don't know it's there's just so many there's so many other things to be focused on like and like when something bad happens and i know many of you guys that you know people are listening to this are very smart people i, I probably, probably you've read this in many <laughs> like books or anything but i promise there's so many other good things to be focused on you know like and i i I remember like, you know, growing up, like I also went to military high school, you know, and, and in the military high school, there are some people that are very mean to you, you know, but I never, because they were mean to me, that doesn't mean that they're going to ruin my day, you know, like, it's just like, well, it's just what it is, you know, like, and I just gotta go for it and whatever, you know, it's just gonna pass. And then the next day it's another, I don't know. It's, it's, I just never focus on, on the bad things. And And I have to say that one person that is super happy in my family is my dad, you know, like my dad is totally my reference for that because, man, like my dad, every time that he was walking around, he was just full of smiles, you know, and people remember him because of that. And I remember, uh, you know, very early, like some people criticize him because he would just, he looked like a politician, you know, everybody know him, everybody's saying hi, everybody's, <laughs> they see him and they want to like say something to him and smile. I mean, and you know him, you know, he's always like that. And, and of course now I see him, that's, that's a blessing, you know, like he's, he's all the time happy. He's all the time, like just looking the positive things. He doesn't spend too much time thinking like if something bad happened, he's like, oh, well, that sucks all right, what's next, you know, like, and that's, I think that I, I either, like, had it on my jeans, or I just copy, I don't know, but, but I, I I'm, I'm kind of in the same way, you know. Absolutely, yeah, I think now hearing you describe that, and even just thinking about your, your dad's situation, it's like, it's not even that he, he didn't even feel entitled, or angry, or upset to the point of, you know, entering any sort of depression after losing your life's savings. I mean, talk about the things that nowadays we feel entitled to and we're really upset when we don't get because we have the expectation of them. It's incredible to to understand that, that outlook of happy to be alive. And you know what, like it is somehow like how it's gonna be is how it's gonna be. And like, let's work now with what we've got. I think too, basically being around you um i wouldn't consider myself on the level that you are with that but like you said I, you don't know if it's your genes or if it's something that you you picked up from being around him but i think it is something that is spread socially and those that know you would be a testament to that as well yeah and another thing that i i think that my dad understands and maybe he doesn't even know that he understands this uh but i think that's something that he definitely lives lives by is that he he really knows what things are out of his control you know and and because of that he definitely lives a better life a way better life and i am not as good as that some, with that sometimes definitely better now because like <laughs> thank you therapy but but yeah like you know understanding like he definitely understand what things are out of his control and in that case you know like what you're saying like yes he lost his life savings but what can he do you know he did all what he could like he went he fought that like he 
got together with all the people that were gonna retire retire in the same year as him like he spent like two years you know fighting for it but after that like you know if you don't like you get what you get and then it's like well i mean what am i gonna do you know like, i cannot just go and talk to the government and be like hey you know like give me my money that's it's not gonna happen so what's the point on carrying that along for your entire life you know there's there's no point it's just to make you more miserable so and you know that's that's one example but you know there are many other like he he definitely understand that and that's and that's cool you know and and it's funny like what you're saying about when you were leaving that you were so scared and stuff i think that to me like yes one thing i was just positive about my dreams and i know that i was gonna achieve them but at the same time i was very ignorant you know i didn't even know what i was getting into <laughs> so as they say you know being ignorance and ignorance sometimes is also a blessing you know because I had no idea, like, I mean, what I'm saying, like, I said that I was going to be back to Venezuela within a year and a half or two, and right now it has been almost seven years since, and I haven't been back, you know, like, I've been able to see my parents, luckily, but, but I haven't been back to the country in almost seven years, which is crazy to me to even think about it. Another thing, too, you know, and also about your dad and your outlook, too, um, I sometimes say that some of my favorite yogis are actually not yogis. They're not necessarily yogis in the sense of practicing the physical asana every day, but yet there's this outlook and understanding of life and and things like contentment and unattachment that are just absolutely something that even years and years, a decade into my yoga practice, I haven't mastered in the way that both of you have mastered. And so um, th that's that's really beautiful. But I wanted to ask too, so your jobs when you got to Ecuador, um, there's so many and I want people to understand, if you don't mind sharing, I mean, so you had this idea in your mind that you were going to get to Ecuador and you're going to work as an engineer, you're going to make the money, you're going to send back to your family, you're going to go back and visit. What was the reality that you encountered? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> the reality was that, so when I, uh, one thing that I haven't mentioned is that my brother one of my one of my siblings he was there already living in Ecuador so I arrived to his house or to his apartment that he was renting um, so yeah even though you know like I had my brother they there you know you, you we all are most of us are proud people you know so I was not gonna be my bro my brother was already giving me a place to stay and like food and stuff so I was not gonna be bothering him for anything else you know so those fourteen dollars that I had, they only last like, uh, actually, they last like, I don't know, probably like like a week or or two weeks, you know, like because of my brother's help at the beginning. But even though I had my brother there, you know, my brother was also new to the country, so the reality was that I was arriving to a country where I had no idea of you know how difficult it was to to like because this is the thing like you leave venezuela in the in the point of i uh, how i left and you think that, okay you go there you get a job and then you're gonna make four hundred dollars a month because that was the minimum salary which is way more than i was making in venezuela and then you think that with that you're gonna be fine but of course you know the reality is that you of course your your expenses are are higher so with my brother um uh what happened is that you know the first week he was like oh yeah you should 
you know just walk around see like get familiar from like some familiarity with the with the with the city like how to move around and stuff but i i didn't have time for that you know i had to get a job like i could not be just sitting in the house doing nothing so yeah i spent like probably two days just i just walked for the entire city like just walking all the time and and then when i got like enough reference of things i just went back and started to apply for jobs i and it's not that i apply for like linkedin or anything like that i mean this is not the us like right this is you go you have to buy a newspaper and actually now that i'm remembering most of my money went buying newspapers because every uh, every monday uh, i think it was on mondays that you go and then that's the mondays is when they publish the list of the jobs so that's like a quick way for you to get a, a or like a quicker way for you to get a job so yeah i was applying for jobs as an engineer but it's it was almost impossible you know because you need a permit to work and or, or you need the visa to work and i didn't even have money to for anything and the visa was like 350 dollars or something like that which i had to work one month without buying anything else or without eating you know to be able to buy that visa so I, that, at that point is when I started to realize like, okay, this is going to take me a while, you know, like I need to actually save money. But meanwhile, you don't have other options that just work, you know, for the black market pretty much to work under the table. So, um, and, and, you know, it's, it, it, they're in Ecuador. It's like, or I guess in Latin America, like doing that kind of job, like, like under the table, as we call it here, it's, it's very common, you know, it's not like, it, it's not seen as something incredibly bad illegal you know it's just it's just what you have to do so of course i got I, the first the first job that i got like uh, the first actual job i was working because i work in many things like the first one was like actually selling like tourist packages and i remember that i don't do this anymore by the way but like i had to do it in the moment like i i had my my degree as an engineer after applying for like a, two weeks I didn't see that I, I didn't see any positive responses so I had to change the strategy so I applied for this job as a, a like working as a tourism thing so I had to just put like all the jobs I did remove my degree from the from the curriculum and just you know just put stuff that I did and even if I helped somebody you know in the gym like helping this guy I just wrote in the resume gym trainer you know from this day to this day and you know everything like that and and just remove any professional degrees out of it and then i finally got this job but it was selling uh, uh, th tourism packages in ecuador and i remember that that they grabbed me and they just made me sell all these packages to like all these single ladies you know like <laughs> and then i had to convince them about going to like these tourist places in Ecuador that I had no idea because I'm I, I just had like two weeks in the country you know and it's funny because you know like to to sell them those packages like we received like a train of like two days or like no it was it was two days but the first day after they trained me a little bit I was like I want to start like let me start tonight you know so so I started that night and actually my first person I sold in the package and it was a family, so they gave me like a $50 bonus, you know, and I was Ooh. a big timer. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so I, I went back with 50 bucks and then I went back the next day and, and, and they, it was only in the night. 
And then the next person, I remember that there was a picture of, now I know the place because I got to travel the country later, but I saw there was a, this place called Baños in Ecuador. And there was like a, like a bunch of people in a pool sitting around and I was selling the package to this person. And the picture, the quality was not that great. So I was like, yeah, like, look here, like, you know, if you get the package, you can just go and visit this place. You're going to get two weekends, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, oh my gosh, it actually looks so great. And I was like, yeah, do you see this guy here? Yes, that's me right there sitting in the, <laughs> in the pool. And they were like, no way. Oh my gosh, how was it? You know, was, oh my gosh, it was incredible, you know, and <laughs> and just like that. And then boom, sold the thing again. <laughs> but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So, so yeah, that was the first one. And then, and again, this is all, I didn't have visa or anything. And, and then the second one I work also like, a, I finally got a job, like a kind of like an engineer. I was doing programming for elevators. But this guy was not paying me well. He was paying, uh, he was actually not paying me and I had problems with him a lot. So yeah, that was, that was, that was a rough start. What were the list of jobs just roughly? So just to understand the range of different things that you did, if you can just list them all. I mean, everything from Uber, for example, to tra getting paid to travel the country of Ecuador. Yeah, so the first in Ecuador I arrived and then the first job was that tourism, like selling tourist, uh, tourism or tourist packages and then a uh, programming elevators, working in a juice stand, um, working as a waiter in a juice stand as a just making the juices, uh, then working as a waiter in a restaurant, a German restaurant. After that, working as a brand manager in the same restaurant, but for the office, so it, it was like a brewery. So I worked in there, um, traveling the country of Ecuador, trying to find providers uh, or uh, people that distributors, sorry, that could like distribute our beer. Um, then after that, I uh, oh, after the juice, then actually I had to work as an Uber at the same time that I was working in in the restaurant as a waiter then the brand manager and then um then the last job i had was working again as a design engineer and i only did that for six months and then i came to america so how long were you in ecuador for in total uh like two and a half years more or less yeah. so all of that in two and a half years yeah. and a lot of it you know pursuing either jobs being taken away or being unpaid as you mentioned in the case of the elevator literally not receiving wage for work that you were doing how do you maintain this kind of unattached happy and positive outlook on everything and at the same time still maintain your drive because i know that you shared with me pretty quickly you realized when you hit ecuador that this was not going to be your place of it wasn't going to be the place that you lived your life and so i mean in, in that even meant that you didn't buy anything that you didn't need to nothing that would attach you to that country everything went towards your dreams. So basically what I want to, I just want to re reiterate the question because I think it's key is how do you have that unattached positive outlook and at the same time stick with the vision of your dreams and your your ambition? Well, it's, I guess that I, I had this very clear goal that Ecuador for me was going to be just a, like a point for growth and then, but my end goal was going to be a going to a first world country like uh, that was my my end goal 
and I knew that I was gonna make it. Um, when I when I was in Venezuela, and this is another thing, like when I was in Venezuela, I I work as an engineer, and I was working as a project engineer, and you know, one thing that I I actually want to mention really quick is that when you work as an engineer like that, like and you leave, you're like, okay, I have this knowledge, I have this, like I'm an engineer, you know, so. Uh, I actually learned really quickly that you have to like humble up and be like, oh no, like if I have to go and clean dishes, it's, it's, it's going to be that, you know, that's what I'm going to have to do. So, so luckily I was clear on that, but, um, but working there, I, I was the only person uh, or the only Venezuelan in the company that could speak English. And because of that, I had to work because it was a manufacturing company and I had to work all the time calling people from Germany, calling people from Italy, and I had to call them to solve problems in the machines that we had. So that gave me that, you know, when I realized how the Germans are so good on, on, on all these things in the, in pretty much all the equipment that we have was made in Germany. So I was like, well, that's gonna be the goal. You know, I'm gonna go and do a master's in Germany. So that's when I started before even I left uh, Venezuela and then when I was in Ecuador, you know, I was okay, now in Ecuador I can make money and I can save it and apply to a university in Germany and then just go on and, and work there. And and how I stay positive, I just stay positive because I knew that I was gonna get out, you know, I way from like I like I knew that I was gonna get out even if that meant that I was going to leave Germ leave Ecuador again with only like a hundred dollars in my pocket but I will get my ticket to go to Germany and then figure out how my how, how I was going to do there. I was going to leave, you know, like I it doesn't it didn't matter to me the how I was just going to take the, the those chances again and just leave at the end of the day if things didn't go as planned. But but local but yeah, what you're saying, like I I had it so clear that I never I actually spent those two and a half years in Ecuador. I never bought a bed, you know, like I was paying rent, but I never bought a bed. I never bought fridge. I never bought kitchen, nothing. I didn't buy anything because my goal was so clear that all the money that I was making was just to pay for my for my uh, exams that I have to take for uh, for the English exams and for the GRE for applying for the university. So all this stuff, the 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 thing that happened later is that because I was also learning German and you know I don't I didn't have the money of course to pay for anyone to to teach me that so I was just and that's why how I got into this German restaurant because I also wanted to practice my German as much as I could while while I was studying by myself so so yeah no it was it was it was tough the the only thing that kind of took me down for a second was or that not took me down but changed my plans was that I realized that I needed uh, 10,000 euros uh, and I, that money had to be deposited in the Deutsche Bank for me to be able to move to Germany and get a student visa. And I was not even able to pay my exams, you know, because one exam, like to study, like the the TOEFL, which is the the, exam, the English exam or, or the GRE, those are like $250, $300 exams. That means, you know, almost my entire salary. So I had to work for three months or four months, save all the money, no eat outside, like no nothing. Meanwhile, also supporting my family in Venezuela every month, you know, like like supporting them uh, with money. And 
and like saving all that so I could pay the exams. And then, you know, like the stakes were so like I, I couldn't afford to fail the exams, you know, but then later when I realized that I had to have 10,000 euros, I was like, that's impossible. You know, like that's just, it's just not going to happen. Like I, I had, you know, because yes, I'm positive, but I'm also realistic, you know, like it's just impossible. I couldn't, I, at that point I didn't even save a thousand dollars, you know, and it was like, like a year and a half. So how am I going to save 10, you know, <laughs> or 11, like more or less. So at that point I decided like, well, I'm just going to buy a ticket to Germany next year and leave, you know, and just once I'm there, I'll figure it out because once I'm there, I know that I can make that money. And meanwhile, I was also creating connections. You know, I was just meeting people from all over the world thing to my jobs. And, and every time that I met someone, uh, if they were from Germany, you know, I would just ask for their contact, like their email or whatever, and just keep in touch with them. And luckily I had some people that, you know, offer me to stay with them. Like when I, because I told them that I wanted to go and they were like, oh my gosh, of course you can stay with my parents. You can stay with me, you can do this, you know? So, so I was very lucky that I met a lot of people that offered me help if I wanted to move to Germany. But yeah, it was, it was a, it was, you know. <laughs> it feels like it's a project that the end was not in sight. I mean, it wasn't clear to you the, the steps. I mean, the, the steps are clear, like they're outlined, right? It's, it's get 10,000 euros. But the how is so far away. It's so, it, like you said, it feels unattainable. And yet you had the the perseverance to continue. And we joke and, and I tell Simone, I'm like, maybe you weren't as clear on your, your manifesting because you ended up meeting a German girl and you haven't gone to Germany yet, although we are going there. Um, but I wanted to know what your advice would be for someone who doesn't feel that sense of certainty to continue or isn't able to take the first step in a massive process because it just feels so impossible and yet I've seen you do it again and again do you think that's because you know what it feels like to hit maybe not your entire rock bottom but you know what it's like to leave a country with just over 10 bucks in your pocket and start from scratch essentially do you feel like that's enabled you to be able to take on these bigger sort of projects um well it's you know like uh, and to to talk about that like that we were talking about that moment of when i felt that i hit rock bottom and I'll, i'll be brief i love to talk by the way that's why i take <laughs> so long to tell stories but um like one that moment that i felt that i hate rock bottom is a uh, actually when i was working in the juice den which is where where shannon and i met uh by the way Steph and caro love you guys you guys are the best bosses i've ever had um um they are the, they were the owners of that juice den amazing people but like when i was in the juice den that was that was in a in a public park so the government uh, wanted to take it and they took it from us so, you know, like from one day to another, just honestly, because of corruption, we just lost the park and we couldn't have it anymore. So I lost my job just like that. Um, that moment is when I had to go and like find and thankfully, because again, I was creating contacts all the time and I was meeting so many people and, you know, just I, when I meet someone, I just I don't want to just like. Oh yeah, nice to meet you. I'm Simone. It's like, oh my gosh, who are you? You know, like I want to know about you. Like, and and this is not, 
you know, it's not something out of, of, of interest because I need something from you or anything. It's just, it's just how I am, you know, like I love to meet people and I love to talk to everybody and, and it's just natural for me. So, so, you know, because of all the people that I met, like I, I had some, so many nice people and one of them, uh, she offered me a job in this German restaurant, but at the same time, that was not enough money because it was only three days a week. And that was, you know, it was not enough for me to leave. So um, I had to get an Uber job. And at that point when I lost that job is, is definitely when I hit rock bottom, you know, like, uh, like for, for, I don't know if it was the first time, but definitely I felt it because it was like, oh, wow. Like I literally don't have a job and I don't know what to do because it's not as easy that I could just go and, and get a job as an Uber because I might be saying this, but most of you might be thinking, okay, yeah, he just grabbed his car and then he just start to drive us an Uber and he's fine. Well, I didn't have, a, I didn't even have a credit card. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a car, you know, like it's, it's just not like that. So you have to, first of all, get a license, which I didn't have. And I had to ask a friend for money to, to, it was like $250 to pay for my license, take the exam and not fail because I couldn't afford to fail it. And then finally get that license and go to Uber. And then in Uber, they have a list of people that are looking for drivers because you need to find someone that has the car. And then that person gives you the car, you sign a contract, whatever. And then you have to pretty much work double. You have to make money for them and make money for you. So I was working like I had to work like 12 or 16 hours per day sometimes, you know, and, and Shanna hated that because we were, we were dating around in the moment. And, you know, I was, I was like, it was, it was really tough. Like it was, that was a very tough job. Um, but yeah, at that point, you know, like I only had, when I lost a job, I only had like $20 in my pocket again. And I was like, well, I guess that this is what it is, you know, but I just, in that moment, like you just cannot afford to go down because Latin America is not like, like a first world country, you know, in a first world country that happened and you just go and you file for unemployment and your life is sold for, for a month at least, you know, or two, but there is no such thing in Latin America. You either do something or you're going to starve, you know? So, so yeah, in that moment, like you, you just, you don't even think about what are the, what, what, what could possibly be. It's just like, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, and then your brain automatically just start to bring you all these solutions. And, and, you know, I, I couldn't afford to go down or anything like that. on my thoughts, I was just like, all right, well, I guess that I'm going to start to reach out to people, you know, and see what I find. And that's what I did. And that's how I got this job. But yeah, working as a newer and then working in a restaurant is tough. You guys, I can tell you that, <laughs> but, but no, I think that, um, you know, like to, to like the question was that, you know, how, how do I stay positive? And it's an advice for someone who is looking at something that feels impossible that they have to take the first steps on and, and they don't know, you know, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel at that moment. Well, the, the, the thing is that, you know, when I, okay, now, you know, when I, when I hit rock bottom, when I felt that I hit rock bottom, like my thought was that, you know, um, uh, like after this, like you can, like you're already down, you know, like, so all what you can do from, from here is just go up, you know, like, so, so like, that's, that's exactly what I did, you know, like I, I was in the bottom already. So like, that's like the beauty of it, like, right, like all the things that you do next is just growth um, or like, you know, you, you just go up and, and find solutions. 
but but like what i would tell to people is you know like exactly what what caro carolina you know from from jacko uh what she told me the uh, from the she's from the juice stand uh the boss from the juice stand what she told me was you know like when you have a goal very clear just like if you really really know that you want it and that's your passion just dream about it eat about it you know talk about it just just live for it like just literally live for it and and that's exactly what i did you know i remember she told me like you know every single day just and she was teaching me manifestation you know <laughs> without without even using concept of manifestation she never even mentioned that but she's a smart woman and you know she knew what she was doing to me and and she just said that you know she called me simoncito all the time and still today she called me simoncito <laughs> just like little simon and she would be like you know simoncito just think about it if you want to go to germany i know you can make it just just like when you're taking a shower just think in the shower like oh my gosh like how how is it gonna be in germany how is it gonna be my shower in germany how is it gonna be when i'm there you know it's gonna be cold it's gonna be warm like how it's gonna be the people i'm not gonna understand anything and then you know i just then like, when you're eating like also think about it again just be like oh my gosh it's gonna be the food in germany like i can already picture you know i'm gonna be eating my pretzels i'm gonna be eating my goulash i'm gonna be you know like all the things and like if you think that you're gonna do a master think about just dream about germany all day you know and that's that was exactly what i did i didn't every single day that i woke up there was no one day that i didn't think about about it and then later you know when i realized about the the ten thousand dollars uh because that's another thing and then her husband Seth, she he told me like why are you applying to germany you know like if you speak english already why you don't apply to the u.s and the thing is that to me the u.s just seemed like an impossible thing to achieve you know because it's 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 for you know for those of you who don't know even though it might seem that people are crossing the border very easy right now it's not easy you know like and, and i was not going to go to any country legally so i wanted to do things the right way and to me the united states just seem just just seem impossible to come here so of course you know they opened my eyes on that and then i realized that one way for you to come to the u.s is to as a, with a student visa again and then with a student visa the one of the f good ways to get here is to, as a research assistant so for those of you that are immigrants that are listening <laughs> there is a piece of advice but when, once a professor tells you that they want you there's no unless you're a criminal you cannot get rejected so your visa is going to be accepted and you can come to the u.s so the main thing for me was just to make it to the country and then at that point I changed my strategy and I was okay I want to go to a first world country and then I started to to apply for universities in the US to become a research assistant you know but then that's that's when things started to change because then you know I started to apply here and I got actually some positive answers and stuff but and I didn't need all those 10,000 euros to be able to come here so yeah what I can say to those people I think that you know something is impossible or whatever uh, let me let me tell you that it, you know this already but it's not you know <laughs> it's just honestly like i i think that as long as you're really really passionate about it just send it you know just go for it and just dream about that every single day because i promise you it's gonna happen eventually you know that's it's and i am the the i am the the life 
the the proof of that you know like uh, that it really happens and i did it and it works you know so so yeah i i spent most of my life manifesting and i didn't even know that i was doing that <laughs> <laughs> i know and so this is this is long before at least a couple of years before i ever read something like you know joe dispenza breaking the habit of being yourself which is a book that has been plugged on this podcast probably a dozen times now but looking back on it and even when simone you know were telling me all of of what you would do in your visualizations i was like man that's really intense and that's really smart it's really really smart yeah and then one thing that i'm gonna say that it's also not just manifestation i have to clarify that i mean it's not just dreaming about it right it's also putting the work because yes it mean like meanwhile i was thinking about this every single day i was also again as i mentioned earlier you know i was working in the juice stand and my free time i was not dedicating that free time to to my phone or to just scroll up scroll down you know i was i was dedicating that free time i had my my books like i was like uh you know studying for the gre like this amount of hours per day and and i was very tough with myself and that uh, you know like i I would say, okay, I'm going to study, you know, three hours per day about this. And then if I did, you know, let's say that I say, okay, from five to 8 p.m. I'm going to study. If something happened that day and I couldn't study at that time, then I will, I I mean, I had to be serious, you know, and like I could, I could, you know, tell, I can lie to, you can lie to anybody, but you cannot lie to yourself, you know, so if I say from five to eight, I don't know, something happened, I go, I got out of work late or whatever, then those three hours that I was going to dedicate to that, that's just non-negotiable, you know, it's just, oh, you didn't do it that well, but for you, now you're going to have to study. If you just go back home at 9 p.m., well, I'm sorry for yourself, but you're going to have to study from nine to to 12, you know, like it's just not, to me, there was no negotiable thing about leaving the country it was you either do this or you're gonna be stuck here you know so so uh, because of that you know i got so serious with my this i got so disciplined and i was like okay you know like i'm not gonna stay talking to anybody or later i'm not gonna do this because then i'm gonna hate myself the next day for <laughs> for no sleeping you know and and meanwhile also i had to when i was applying for the universities you know all of this was new to me because in venezuela at least in during my time, you know, we were not applying. Nobody was applying to universities outside of the country, at least not in my circle. So, you know, you you don't know anything about these steps or what to do. Like, I didn't even know you have what a cover letter is. Like, I didn't know any of that. And luckily, I have you know, Seth and Caro that they they were teaching me all this, and they actually were amazing, and they helped me to like how to write it and, and they will make me write it all in English and then they will correct me and send me corrections back and actually say, you know, during that time he was working in Nepal and he was working in Armenia. And and because I, you know, he was helping me with that, the only moments that I could talk to him about what I was doing and to Kato was like at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. my time. So I will have to wait until they are awake and then you know wake up in the middle of the night and then just get on a call with them for two hours and then they will guide me through this we will look at the documents together and then once i have everything ready okay they and this is like a like 
three months process of me writing the perfect cover letter to send to professors, right? So, so yeah, there is manifestation, but there, you definitely have to put the word for it. Absolutely. And I, I'm a big, big fan of, of also always mentioning that manifestation doesn't make up for a lack of work ethic. And I think just hearing your story and being alongside you and having you as a life partner has taught me so much about work ethic because yes, I love to relax and I think that we should absolutely take care of ourselves, but also a way of taking care of ourselves, like you mentioned, is making sure that we don't get stuck, that we don't get hung up on on things that we think are impossible and, and they're just frankly not. And so one of the things that really struck me, and then we'll, we'll get to the wrap-up question after this, but you mentioned early on this came up in our relationship where I kept saying that I was overwhelmed. <laughs> I was overwhelmed by whatever was going on in school because when we met, I had, a, I had a year left of college and I would be overwhelmed about my, my projects or whatever. I would be overwhelmed because I was feeling stressed and then I would get a message, you know, from your mom and talking with her and come to find out that you know, she couldn't find sugar at the day to, that day at the store to make cookies. And then I would just feel like, oh my gosh, like who am I to even be complaining? And so I would tell you this, this word all the time, overwhelmed. And there is a word, of course, for it in Spanish, abrumado. But you had mentioned that you didn't understand like that, that concept. Can you tell, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? Because I think that's just such a interesting fact. I mean, there is not much to tell. I just... <laughs> I literally didn't know because I, that was just not in my vocabulary. You know, that was a word that was not in my vocabulary. There is, and again, you know, I, I'm talking about all the things of Latin America because I'm just opening up here, but I'm not trying to, to make it sound like a sad story or anything because, you know, we're all good, luckily, and my family's doing well and, you know, we're all fine. But, but, but yeah, it's just, that's not in, that's not in our vocabulary. You know, that word, there is no like you literally cannot afford to be overwhelmed, you know, because when you're overwhelmed, you're stopped, you're, you're, you're anxious, you're just like, just stop doing something and there is no such thing that you can do. And, and again, like, as I said earlier, and I'm going to repeat it again, I know, I know that my family were one of the lucky ones, you know, there's people that have it way worse than what I had it, you know, and I, I'm very clear with that. And, but yeah, it's just, you know, you just gotta keep going. You always have to find a way to make the money. You have to find a way to, 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 you know, bring the food. Like, like, hey, what's next? Like, and and again, this is this is not something that happened when, like, before 2010. Before that, we were all good. Like, you know, we were not like with that con continued struggle. But after that, from 2012 to 2017, yes, that was my daily life. You know, it was just okay. Like what's next you know what are we gonna do for this what are we gonna do for that so so there is no and and for me being in ecuador impossible you know you cannot get overwhelmed like you just gotta keep going keep moving keep with like you know like the song jungle just keep moving <laughs> and and yeah like i remember it was actually your mom so hi charlene but yeah it was your mom who they wanted to tell me like i remember when i came to the states you know she was like simone are you doing okay like you know and and charlene is an amazing person and uh, she was like, Simon, are you okay? Like, do you feel overwhelmed? And I was like, do you feel what? Like, no, like I'm not, I am not overwhelmed. And I think that till today, you know, there are not that many scenarios where I, I feel overwhelmed, really. I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I, 
I feel like I've tried to reconsider how I think about that feeling of overwhelm. And that was such a beautiful perspective that you brought because like you said, yeah, we have to be in touch with all of the different things that we're going through and that we're feeling, but also how can we find just that little baby step of progress to to keep going and to be like, you know what, I, I'm alive. Like, how about that? You know, I am alive. And so the last thing that I wanted to talk about, um, and I know we're skipping over so much of the story, but when you got to the US and you get to the point, right, where you have a job, like you have your work Woo-hoo. permit, <laughs> you have your job, um, you have a really nice, well-paying job. And for the first time, you get to take this this deep breath of, I made it, you know? And I feel like you're not the type of person who is ever going to be you know, arrive at a certain spot and just kick back and relax and be like, all right, you know, I'm checking out. I made it like you're constantly evolving and constantly pushing, but you got to be out of survival mode finally. And I know that that process, I I was there for you a lot during that process because you go from having your brain running and constantly problem solving and trying to figure out what's next. And then all of a sudden you don't have that noise. What was that like for you? Well, it was weird. I mean, it's it was crazy because, you know, as you're saying, it was I'm coming from running, 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 running and doing, 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 doing and like, you know, basically survival mode. And then, you know, you arrive to America that believe it or not, you know, because I know that there is a lot of you guys that <laughs> a lot of people that think the opposite. But but this is an incredible country, you know, like and, and there is not even comparison to latin america you know and 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 i remember that actually one day i was with your mom in the car and you know and she she i was so worried about finding a job you know and i was like oh my gosh like okay my permit to work is about to arrive like i need to look for jobs i need to do this and and i have to also say meanwhile like i was waiting for my permit to work and all that i was studying I never stopped studying for engineering. I never stopped, you know, I always like, I will look for softwares that are the newest in the industry and then just do tutorials on YouTube for free and just become savvy on those and, you know, just keep myself up, up to date. So whenever the opportunity came, I was going to apply for a job and, oh, you know this? Yes, I do. Like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that, that helped me a lot. So. Anyway, I just had all this pressure of like, oh my gosh, I need to prepare, I need to do this, I need to, you know, study to take that, to apply for this job and blah, blah. And then I remember that your mom told me in the car, she was like, Simone, Simone, I, I know that you're worried and I know that, you know, but this is America, you know, this is not, this is not equal or like, there are a lot of jobs here and you can, you can calm down, you know, just enjoy this moment and stuff. And I remember that so clear <laughs> and it was true, you know, like I, I just didn't realize that, yes, you're an American. This is actually the land of opportunities, believe it or not, you know, and and and, you know, as I said earlier, I never in my wildest dream thought that I was going to be in the United States in my 20s, because in my most optimistic life, I thought that I was going to be in America in my 40s you know, or mid forties when I had enough money to prove to the US that I didn't want to come here to stay. And at that point I was going to go to Disneyland and just spend like a week, you know, then, 
here I am, you know, like I, I arrived way earlier than that, but, but no, it was, it was definitely, it was a big change. You know, it was, it was, I, I, I think I got sick during that time from, from my stomach when finally my body was like, all right, we're not in survival mode anymore. All right, here I go now. Like I have to have some bills you gotta pay, you know? So Mm -hmm. I actually got very sick and, and because finally I could like slow down, but, but I will say that, yes, I have a, a really great job and I have, you know, things have been great, but I don't, I guess that that's, that's when I am a little hard on myself that I, I don't feel like I have made it yet. You know, like I, yes, I'm happy. And I know that I, you know, of course I could, I'm so grateful for where I am. And I, I mean, you guys have no idea how grateful I feel about living where I live and the life that I have. I, I'm very, very aware of all what I have and, and how lucky I am for being able to live in this amazing country. But, you know, it's, it's, it's still like, I, I, I cannot stop, you know, like I know that this is, I don't feel like I have made it yet. I, I know that there is, well, you know, because of course I tell you all the, everything, but <laughs> there is so much more that I want to achieve that, that yes, I'm, I'm, I have achieved great things, but I'm going for even greater things. So I have no doubt in my mind that that you will get there. Absolutely. And it, it it's interesting to see kind of the blend of how you were able to make it through and how you were able to achieve what you're able to achieve. And when you first came to the U.S., I remember that, I mean, this is probably typical. I might be generalizing a little bit, but of Latin America culture, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of movement, there's like kind of this like quick, and not quick in in terms of like stressful way, I mean sometimes it can be stressful for sure, especially for those of us who aren't used to it, but there's this noise and there's this immediate chaos and I remember kind of watching you go through the awakening and understanding what is mindfulness. <laughs> and it's really funny because there's this very specific example I can think of. Um, two years in a row, we went to Lake Chelan with my family over Christmas, and it's always super snowy and cold there. And I remember the first year, I don't know exactly what you were doing in the mornings, um, maybe chatting with family or, you know, you, a lot of times like your time gets taken up by by social not not social media for the the fact of scrolling but being online to be connected with people that are important to you and and that kind of came first before yourself and the next year that we were there at Lake Chelan I remember that I was standing with my parents and we were just watching you like creepily sort of outside on the the balcony in the morning just sipping a cup of tea and having a little meditation in the morning and it was so beautiful because I just saw that that growth in you and that understanding of like, you know what, actually, like I do have to take care of me. And like, if I don't take care of me, um, everybody else is also going to suffer. Do you feel like that's an accurate statement? Like, do you feel like that was kind of like your mindfulness awakening period or not necessarily? Well, yeah, of course. And that's that's all, you know mostly thank to you and also you know thank to your parents that have, i mean you guys all have been so i mean especially you that you've been so helpful with that and you know always like looking 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 up for me did mm-hmm. i say looking out looking out for me <laughs> <laughs> and and you know it's yeah like i i never and I, and I can share this story that i remember that we went to mexico together when i was still living in ecuador and 
I remember one morning I saw your dad, like we were going to go out to the beach. And then your dad was like sitting outside having a coffee. And I was, you know, I was uh, ready to go. You know, I was like, hey, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, and then your mom and told me like, oh, no, we're waiting for Kurt. And I was like, well, <laughs> what are we waiting? Why he just doesn't stand up and come with us? You know, and then your mom was like, no, no, he's meditating. You know, he's just he's just doing a meditation for a second. And I was like, what? Like one meditation, what? Like we gotta go, you know. We we have to go to the beach, and then because I just didn't understand, you know, I do. I was not aware of of any of that, and <laughs> and even though I had this, you know, manifestation of, of the things that I was doing, I just had zero understanding of of mindfulness or any of that kind of concept. So of course, after you came to my life, like yes, it's it's when I started to to understand more and like you know, being with your parents and like seeing like your guys' life pace and, and yeah, there's so much that I just incorporated to my life that just made it way better, you know, and just made it easier and 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 I'm still learning, you know, I'm still learning from it and and yes, yes, now I feel healthier <laughs> <laughs> that I can I allow myself to take pauses and 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 I mean and you know this that if it will not be for you I'll be working extra hours and just like you know like just going non-stop but but yes like i i understand now that you know there there is you definitely have to take care of yourself and and you know one more thing i want to say is that that i know that i'm talking about my situation and you said that you know you feel bad when my mom like that you will be complaining about your life in the states and stuff and 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 then my mom would say like, oh, well, like we didn't even find sugar today. I cannot make cookies or whatever. But, you know, I, I understand and, and all of you who are listening that can kind of relate with Shannon. I can also say that, you know, all of us have our own problems, you know, and like, and yes, you definitely are lucky. If you were born here or you're living here in the States, yes, you are very lucky, you know, and you need to understand that. But at the same time, you know, we're all dealing with our own issues and, and one doesn't make one is not bigger than the other you know like we all go through like difficult moments and that's totally understandable and and yeah you know just just that just don't think that your problems are not like that important or anything like that because yes they all they all are important absolutely and we're all here for the tools and, and those of us that do practice yoga i think a lot of times there are so many different reasons that we come to that practice and, and looking for support in it and in the community and in the teachings for, like you mentioned, ideas and in life circumstances that we'll never understand necessarily of each other, but in the, in the same way we can hold each other's hand through the process. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the final question, um, it's a billboard question. And so... Essentially, the idea is that if you had a billboard that everybody in the world was going to see, what would be the message that you would put on that billboard? Oh, God. Well, I will say the first one that came to my mind. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't think about this. But let people always remember your smile, Ooh. you know, all the time. Just just don't don't. Like whenever someone remembers you or like think about you, just let them think about your smile and always, you know, smile is free. 
and 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 smiles are free and you can it doesn't cost much and and you know i will actually share this 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 story that that i haven't shared with pretty much nobody i think only with you just the one when we were in costa rica uh, there's this guy that he was the the singer of the band of the where we got uh, that play when we got married and and I we saw him again in town and stuff and he came to me he just went through like a really rough moment that night and then just out of nowhere you know like he 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 came back to to like to play and I was there like right in front of him and he saw me and he was his face was just like a like like honestly, like if he saw a light, you know, he was like, man, you know, he like, he saw me and then he, he like, you know, gave me a hug and he was like, you know, I never told you, but thank you so much for like all the things you did, like, like how much you took care of us in the wedding, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. But he said, you know, oh, the main thing that I can think about when I remember your wedding is, is, or when I think about you is just remember always that you are smiling, you know, and and right now, because the police like stopped him there with no reason and, and, you know, just made him go through like a bad moment. And he said, you know, now I just went through this rough moment and, you know, I'm just not feeling great. But then I'm just walking back here. And the very first person that I see is you and you're smiling again, you know. <laughs> so thank you so much for smiling, you know, for just being like that. So, so you know, that was that was. That's so important. And I'm smiling right now when I'm saying this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just let people remember your smile, you know, like to always like that's I think that that's my message. That's so beautiful. And yeah, you do have quite quite a smile. I have to say I'm, I might be a little bit um, biased, but it's one of my <laughs> favorite smiles. Well, that's a wonderful billboard message. And this is officially my first podcast over one hour. So <laughs> it's going to be over one hour long. Um it's also for reference a Saturday evening, so we're kind of just nerding out here having this conversation and wanted to record it as well. So I hope that, you know, if you've made it all the way to the end of the episode that you've enjoyed, that you have a little bit more perspective on on Venezuela as well and Simone. I love you very, very much. Te amo mucho, mucho. Um, <laughs> and it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, if you made it here, send me a, the emoji of the Venezuelan flag. I think that's the best one. DM me a Venezuelan flag on Instagram. And I'll give you a virtual pat on the back and hug and send you on your way. With that said, um, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks again. All right. See you guys. Ciao, ciao.